You're listening to Less Stress in Life with hosts Deb Timmerman and Barb Fletcher. We believe life with less stress and more energy is possible with the right tools, strategies, and knowledge. So we bring you real conversations around the stress of relationships, money, and the daily hassles of life with guests that will inspire, challenge, entertain, and motivate you to take action. Welcome to the Less Stress in Life podcast. Today, our format is going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm Deb Timmerman, and I'm going to be the moderator for this podcast. And my guests today are Barb Fletcher, who is normally my co-host, and Valerie Cook. Valerie is an expert in senior care, and I'm going to just allow each of them to introduce themselves. So Val, would you like to go first, please? Sure. Uh, Valerie Cook. I work at a senior living community that has all levels of care, um, independent all the way up to long-term care, skilled nursing, memory care. And we, of course, have assisted living. And like I said, independent as you and me. So I've been in senior living for hmm, almost 10 years in different facets. I've worked in home health care, private duty care, uh, and then, of course, communities with different levels of care. And it's also personal. I dealt with the grandma, which is how I ended up in this industry. And Barb, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. So I am in an encore career. My first career, um, I spent 35 years in aging care, overseeing um, the nursing homes and uh, funding, regulating, and monitoring in the province I live in, in New Brunswick, Canada, was an honor to do that work. And so now my new career is helping people with stress. Um, but I understand the, the business that you're in, and I'm actually living some of those pressures today. So now what's been the biggest change in how we transition in elder care or aging since the pandemic? There's a lot that's changed, obvious reasons. Um, everybody was told to shelter in place or stay home or um, and all of that. And everybody took that to heart. Mm-hmm. So um, that also happened in our community as well. And people would normally have progressed through the process of aging within our continuum, which means moving through the different levels of care. Um, and then also at home, right? Uh, independent, that's optional, as you're well aware. You don't have to move in if you're independent. So no one was moving in that's independent. And that's still turning into the case. Um, there's a lot of hesitancy. Um, so we're getting people who are interested in moving in at a much later stage in life at a level of care, which means they need something, right? They need some assistance but sometimes it's so significant that they end up in long-term care, um, which is unfortunate because they miss out on all of the wonderful things we do for our community members that are able to partake, such as outings and things like that. So yeah, it's it's a lot later than what it used to be. And home is where people are staying much longer, which means that families are doing a lot more than they used to. As we start to look at this fall opening up and kids going back to school 
and getting involved in extracurricular activities. How does that look for a person who is perhaps caregiving now and has an elder that is in an assisted or a long-term care um, living arrangement? What do you see happening for those elders and what do you see happening with those caregivers? So it's gonna be too much, right? It's um, kids take a lot from us. We need, you know, transportation and you need, they need love and nurturing and just like an older adult does. Um, and then the older adult over the gradual last 16, 18, 16 to 18 months has taken more and more time from your day, which was fine at that time, right? Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, you could get shipped, delivered and do all your groceries, but now it's a little different. You've taken all this time and you've helped your older adult but you're now adding in all of the nuances of school returning to the way it needs to be for those children and all those extracurricular activities that you talk of. But how does that look? So it's gonna take more time, more stuff, but there isn't more time. As an example, there's actually two generations going through this together. Younger baby boomers and the younger Gen Xers are doing it at the same time because you have different levels of necessity. And it's really a very interesting time frame. And how does this look? Because there's a lot of guilt that comes from that as well. Well, and I think also a lot of maybe even pressure on the older adult because they've come to depend on their family to be that social support during that time. And if they're moving in later, they probably are not making or haven't have been able to make those friendships that you normally do when you move into a new community. True. I mean, that's a hundred percent true. There's so much that we do that you can pick and choose. If you want to stay in your apartment, you can, if you don't, you don't have to, there's always something to be active and engaged in. Heck, you know, half our residents drive and go where they want to go and do what they want to do and help babysit grandkids. But it's, yeah, you're missing out on a whole, whole section that would be so um, fun in no other better terms or enjoyable because if you come in and you're relegated to an assistance that you need, you do, you whittle down how many people you see in a day because your ability to move about the community. Barb, you're experiencing some of this right now with your mom. Tell the listeners a little bit about what happened, what your mom's story is. Yeah, so my mom's a nurse which adds another flavor to it all. And she's right as a button. And she's living independently, but very complicated, um, physically frail. And she's actually in hospital right now, has been for eight weeks. And so, you know, the longer the duration, the, the more troubling that becomes. But prior to that, we had wrapped a lot of services around her, you know, home support. I had hair care that came in. I have, um, she had dog walkers. She has a dog. And so every day somebody came and walked her dog. So there were a lot of touches that came for her. Plus, I was blessed to be flexible enough with my work schedule that if I needed to play a different role, I could adjust, which is very different. And I can absolutely appreciate that, that if you're 
in the system, you're actually doing a Monday to Friday job or shift work, it's much more difficult to find that time to actually play that role. So now my schedule is a little bit different. I'm visiting the hospital regularly and, uh, you know, and taking calls because she's got her cell phone and she calls me often to update me. Today, I got to participate in her menu ordering because I was telling her a story. And so she just put me on hold while she ordered her menu for tomorrow. <laughs> but I completely get it. And it, it, you know, I wish that she might have considered something like this 10 years ago before she became so physically frail. You know, our objective is to care for her as long as we can at home. And she has some means, so we have options. And it is, it is a full-time job managing all the bits, getting all the errands addressed. And I'm not uh, chasing after little ones. And with all transparency, uh, Barb has texted me a few times and used that G word. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you, Barb? Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's a natural feeling that people have come up. You know, things don't go as planned and the expectations or what you hope for may not, they may not work out. And then there's the what ifs and all of those scenarios that, that go through your head. Now, when you talk about guilt uh, from, the, that, from the caregiver's perspective, how are they sharing those feelings with you and what kind of support are you providing for them? Well, we offer, you know, different classes throughout and different activities throughout the community. And so we're offering a class next week on Saturday morning intentionally uh, before your day really gets started. So you don't have to pull away from something at 930 in the morning in our community for outside uh, caregivers or anyone who's feeling that push and pull of the guilt and not sure to, they need, they need ways right? To like navigate that and deal with that. And actually, Deb, you're teaching that class for me. Um, and it's as a person who has witnessed it and also has lived it and watched her mother go through it. Um, the guilt weighs heavy, you know, but I think sometimes you're, it's seeing the forest through the trees, right? Like what we're seeing is they don't see it, right? So an outside perspective, you're just, you're anxious and you're running around like, crazy and you're trying to get everything done and um, you don't see the stress that it's causing you because you've been in it for, I don't know, months, years even. My mom was spending five hours a day taking care of my grandmother who walked independently, did all, you know, to, mm -hmm. lived on her own independent apartment, but then she would drop her off for coffee with her friends and then go clean her apartment put her laundry away, like organized her. So, and they never talked about it. Right. It wasn't like grandma acknowledged that she was declining. So there's a lot of families out there who are knee deep in it, you know, and they just don't want to accept it um, that they're doing it. And honestly, moving someone into a community like ours should be actually a celebration because they get to be as independent as they can be or are. And you get to be the kid again. You know, you get to be the daughter with the house with the grandkids. So she wants to go over and have dinner. 
you know, and that's it. I spent my entire career as a nurse in care, either in long-term care as a nurse or as a director of nursing, assistant director, and then hospice. And I think that I spent more time really connecting with the families whose loved ones were in our care and talking, doing exactly what you're talking about, Val, managing them through this very difficult process and providing really more supports to them in some cases because we had a staff social worker and we had mm -hmm. a chaplain, all of those wonderful help wraparound services inside that community. And when they left, they knew that we would communicate when something was up, we would keep them abreast of things and their loved one could call them. And it was really a win-win situation. If you have a good partner, this can be a great uh, transition. And as I get closer to that age 65, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 64, I start thinking about now, if I have to transition, what is that going to look like for me? And do I want to direct that or do I want to leave that decision to my kids and stepkids who will then have to do it perhaps when things go south and they, they don't have as many choices as they do if they plan ahead? Well, and that's that's my biggest thing, too, is I've preached this since I started working in senior care and nobody wants to make a decision reactionary, right? Like we, we're we're a, we're a society of habit of doing things in a reactionary manner. But if we were proactive about it, we'd get to choose our destiny, right? So nobody wants to have mom or aunt or grandma fall and end up in the hospital, right? So that then they can't walk or they have to use a wheelchair or whatever that looks like. So they don't have the mobility that they're used to. When, what could you imagine for them if you chose to make a safe decision for them or they moved into a community like ours before that, that situation occurred so that maybe, just maybe, it wouldn't occur so that they would enjoy the quality of life on top of the quantity that you want them to Mm. We always ask our guests, what's their best stress tip? And I think you just gave it for those people who have aging parents. And Barb, as someone who has an aging parent, really nearing end of life, what is your best stress less tip? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I, I certainly practice building resilience every single day. Um, and I, even that sometimes isn't quite enough. And if it's not, then I need to go for a good solid walk and get my feet connected to the earth again. Um, but I think it's also good to have, um, surround yourself by people who recognize, even though you might know quite a bit about stress, might recognize in you that you're maybe not doing as well as you normally would because sometimes we overlook even the obvious. Oh, that is so true. So true. So one of the things that I'm going to teach at Val's um, educational event is that base technique for building resilience that Barb 
talked about. And one of the things that I hear from caregivers all the time is I'm so exhausted, I'm so tired. So if you can keep your internal energy and batteries up, that helps immensely. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how stress and that um, being in that state of fatigue, how that clouds your decision making and how that affects all different areas of your life and teach that base tool. Thank you both so much for being flexible and changing this format. I think it was a wonderful way to share some really rich and valuable experiences with our listeners. And we'll put the contact information for Val and Samaritas and for Barb in our podcast notes. So feel free to reach out to either of them or go to the Less Stress in Life website and uh, click on a message and we can get you directed to the right person. Thank you so much Thank to you. both of you. Thank you. Ta-ta. Less stress in life is possible. If you're new to this kind of thinking and would like to explore what's possible for you, we'd love to connect. You can reach us through our website at lessstressinlife.com. That's lessstressinlife.com.